five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. And we're going to be talking about direct mail today, but also some very interesting psychological concepts. Is it even possible? And how they work together, though almost no one else would ever connect them. <laughs> okay, so let's get over to Tom Fishburne. He's talking about personalization gone wrong. Yes, siree. Sarah, we have amazing deals, Sarah. Just for you, Sarah. Just the name. Superficial. I noticed it was 76 degrees in Santa Fe, where you live. Therefore, you may want to buy a, a, a hummingbird feeder or something. Uh, generalization. Since you're over 40, here are offers for assisted living. <laughs> I remember the first time I got an AARP mailing, you know, and it included a little sort of sample membership card. I put it in my wallet. I used to pull it out when I went to Denny's. You know, I'm 50 years old. Do I get the senior discount? Sure. <laughs> now I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> Since you're a spontaneous adventurer, would you like to buy a motorcycle? And this is this is a guy who used to be an adventurer. Now he has kids. <laughs> it's outdated. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> Browsing toilets? Get ready for nonstop toilet ads wherever you go for weeks. You know, and you can cure that with a uh, with a uh, private browser. You know, just use a private browser whenever you shop. That's what I do. Use it on eBay. Use it on Amazon. Use it on Home Depot all the time. And, uh, you know, they ask if I want cookies. Sure, give me all the cookies you want. <laughs> yep. Anyway, even though you shop a lot, here's the same experience we give everyone else. Missing the basics. That's probably the biggest one. I I really I used to I used to look at Customer Experience magazine every day, CX dot uh, com I think it is, and uh, I I quit watching it when I quit looking at it when it said that 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 AI and bots were the key to personalization. <laughs> but what does Tom Fishburne have to say about it? It's really interesting. I re read this to my wife. In 1970, a Japanese ro roboticist uh, came up with the concept of the uncanny valley. He said in designing robots to be more human-like, he observed that people respond positively only up to a point. There's an uncanny valley. valley. The almost human design seems creepy, and, the and they experience revulsion. Um... We're in an age of the uncanny valley as attempts to engineer almost human experiences is almost is all around us. <clears throat> and Gen AI appears in more aspects of our lives. Personalization has long been in the uncanny valley. Marketers have always chased the holy grail of delivering. This is really important. Delivering the right message to the right person at the right time. Okay. Remember, that's the goal. That's the pitch. And I remember the pitch in the 80s that direct mail could get you the right person in the right time that we could mail and get 100% response because we would only target the right people with database marketing. And then with, you know, and then with, with besides database marketing with machine learning. And that's what I was a pioneer in that. Most people couldn't get it to work at all. And they never figured out why. But I'll tell you why today. 
<clears throat> Much of today's personalization falls flat, stymied by data collection, siloed companies, and misguided assumptions. That's the biggest one, misguided assumptions, right? And what's the main assumption? Okay, the main assumption is delivering the right message to the right person at the right time. You know, it occurred to me way back in direct mail days, <clears throat> I said, first of all, how can you guess the right timing? How can you guess what I want next when I don't want no when I don't know what I want next? You ever think about that? Right? You don't know what you want next, much less what I want next. Quit trying to do it. Give up on it. It is creepy and it's wrong. Your guesses are as wrong as if you guessed what your wife wants next. Or husband. You know, where would you like to go on vacation? If they're like me, it's a whole new experience every time you ask. Since you don't know what you want next, you don't know what I want next, you're not going to deliver the right message to the right person at the right time. And even if you did, so will 10 other people. So will 10 other brands, if it's that, that easy. And you'll still have to compete with them. And you'll still have to have a good sales message. And you'll still have to cut through the clutter. Okay, so all of marketing still applies, but the easier time to get attention is when I'm not looking for your product. I hadn't thought about it. Maybe you can trigger me to think about it. You know, like those cool drones that fly around inside your house and stuff like that that I never knew I needed. Okay, misguided assumptions. And instead of that, you do bad personalization, which is worse than none. Okay, technology promises a new era of hyper-personalization, and it's based on real-time data. But what did we just cover? Real-time data will not help you if I don't know what I want next. No. And real-time data is still historical data. Don't lie to me, right? All data is historical. All data is history, okay? And between the time that you can craft an ad for me and the time that I gave you that history... I might have changed my mind or I more likely bought it already from somebody else. So you're just wasting your money. Okay. Real time AI and predictive analytics will, will somehow get you to read my mind and predict the future. It ain't going to happen. Okay. The newest tools with an outdated mindset and the outdated mindset is that you can do this, that this will work. Now this may work better than trying nothing. It may work better than a bad ad. Well, of course, but that doesn't mean it won't just annoy people more efficiently, as Tom says. Okay? You're missing the basics. The basics are sell a, a valuable product, right, that some people want or will want, and get it there in an efficient way. That is most of it. That is most of what we care about. We don't care really about your brand except that you've done it in the past. And if you've done it in the past, that's historical data. If you've done it in the past for me, then maybe I'm interested in it again, right? But if you if you goof it up, then your brand is dead to me, <laughs> unless the other brand goofs it up worse. Okay, so don't miss the basics. In engineering human-like experiences, we sometimes forget the actual humans. <clears throat> and here's some past cartoons. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go get this at WDMA. Dot org. This one I did think was funny. November 2014. Bad personalization is worse than no personalization. This brand newsletter just called me first name Virginia. 
you know, that was that was what I got one from Chris Lyons, and it was Virginia. Maybe this is what he was referring to. It, in the subject line, in the email, it said, Virginia, you know, come to our print conference or whatever. Uh, and then it says, Macchiato for vagina. <laughs> Oops. Anyway, you know, it could be worse than Virginia. But he actually sent it to me, to Virginia. Maybe he handcrafted that. That's all I can figure. And there was an old direct mail ploy where you would put one address on the outside and deliberately put a di- put 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 a different address on the inside. And it was generic on the inside, but it looked like you were reading someone else's mail, and it got a really good lift if they opened it. Right? It was addressed to you on the envelope, and then it went to some, and then it looked like you were getting someone else's mail, and so you read it over carefully and stuff. Anyway, um, let's go on. Okay, imposter syndrome. The scourge of the marketing industry or a buzzword. And this has lots of experts from Sam Anderson, one of my favorite editors over at the drum and uh, a lot of background right here. He's gone through a lot of work. Um, But basically it says that imposter syndrome, um, Daniel Kwan, who's a director, I guess, said that imposter syndrome is at an all time high while he was accepting his Oscar. Okay, he was saying that there's this phenomenon saying, do I really deserve what I what I'm getting? Uh, And I'm going to give you the answer to this phenomenon. It's a long article. I highly recommend it. Go to WDMA.org. And in a few minutes after the show, the whole article will be there available with all the links. And I could just read all the people. But it's fascinating. All these ad people, uh, Sophie Wooler, Chris Moody. Hannah Dempsey, um, Jeff Griffiths, Eli, uh, Ellie Malpass. That was a good one. She said she was called Hannah. Uh, no, Helena on the weekdays to be pro- professional. And then her parents called her Ellie on the weekends. Okay, Charlie Edwards. Mathilda Holmquist. Okay, lots of names. Hannah Brady, Natalie Patel. I'll tell these people that I mentioned them today. Anyway, <laughs> they're all worth listening to. But basically, they're, one talked about having psychologists on their creative team because people were so, you know, so overwhelmed with this imposter th- syndrome. And uh, I, you know, I remember, I remember going down to Amico Oil and my boss had told these people there that I knew a lot about stuff. And they wanted to do a uh, they wanted to do a supplemental marketing program with they had field sales and they had some regular mailings but they weren't really promotional they were just like informational for the gas stations and then they also had um, and then we plugged in a, tel- a telecenter to call them regularly so we were calling the smaller ones and then they were then they were freeing up their salespeople to call on the bigger gas stations. <clears throat> when I started, I was told there won't be an 80/20 in gas stations. They're all little, they're all little businesses with eight employees. <clears throat> but it turns out that the 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 uh, truck stops on I-80 were really big, and the 80/20 applied equally to gas stations as everything else I've ever checked out. Anyway, so I was so intimidated because I'd really not taken a marketing course in college. I have a master's in philosophy, though, which makes me qualified for everything except brain surgery. But I could learn that, I'm sure. 
<clears throat> anyway, so so uh, so I bought a Mont Blanc fountain pen, which I probably have laying around here someplace, or I have them at home. <clears throat> I have like now I have like six or seven. But I had this Mont Blanc fountain pen because I thought I'm going to have the best pen in the room, and I took notes with my fountain pen, and uh, it made me feel more confident. And uh, so, but later I got to be a vice president of marketing at one of my clients from the consulting firm, and I still felt, I felt really bad because the accounting guy, the VP of finance or the CFO, would say, you know, John, your numbers are off. My numbers were, you know, and I'd predict the, I'd predict the sales, and so we'd adjust for the inventory and, you know, make sure we had, or make sure we had enough, whatever, people on staff and all that. We're always projecting the future, (laughs) figuring out the budget. And uh, he said, you know, you're off 5% this year, this past year. And I was really intimidated by that. I thought, wow, man, I'm, I'm not qualified. I'm not getting it. I'm not, you know, his numbers always come out, but mine don't. And then I learned a really big secret. And that is that accounting is piling up the, the past. They're putting the past into little piles. So they know exactly how to make it add up. And creative accountants will make it add up. <laughs> Shareholder equity at the end on your balance sheet. So they have ways of, of making it all look tidy. But marketing isn't doing that. Marketing is trying to guess the future. They're trying to guess what you're going to be interested in. Or more precisely, they're trying to guess who will be interested in what we have to offer and how we can make it you know, enticing and, and alluring to people. And predicting the future is difficult or impossible. So don't, and, and so the main reason why I was intimidated and I felt like an imposter was because the future never quite worked out as well as I had hoped. And here's the cure. Testing. The way that NASA gets to the moon or, you know, your HVAC person <laughs> fixes your air conditioner is by repeated experiments over decades now. The repairman doesn't know this, but the people who invented air conditioning, right? They knew about the compression of a gas and they knew that they could absorb heat as well as expel heat. And so these processes have been tested and tested and tested. We'd find some problem and we'd, that's an observation. And then we'd have a hypothesis that says, well, if we do this, maybe it will fix this problem. And maybe it did, but maybe it didn't. But we learn. And because we have a hypothesis, we have a a foundation for our experiment, we then know that if it works as expected, then we have an explanation. And when we pile up enough explanation and enough repeated experiment, we then have a theory and we know the impact, right? We know the coefficients. We know the, the algorithms. And that's how the scientific world works. But the marketing world doesn't like that. They don't want the accountability. They don't want the testing. The finance world doesn't want the testing. And thus, we ignore those principles. We never even try those principles. But when you try those principles, you will get smarter and smarter and smarter about the future. But it's not something that happens just by trying one thing and then trying another. You don't know why it worked. Until you can get the incremental lift, until you have some idea of what's going on in a repeatable way, which the scientific method gives you, You don't know what's coming. And as long as you don't know what's coming, 
you're a fool and you're an imposter. And many of these people probably are. You know, I noticed that digital was mentioned specifically. Managing a digital agency. Well, you're telling, your foundation is a lie that you can predict when, where, what. It's a lie, okay? Maybe it's better than nothing, but it's a lie. No wonder you have imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is based on lies and not understanding how to apply scientific method to marketing. Stick with the show. You'll figure it out. Why physical mail belongs in your 2024 plans. Mostly because engagement is guaranteed even from the non-buyers, which gives you a much richer data set to do experiments with. It's the perfect experimental environment because you know both the buyers after your campaign and you know the non-buyers. And you can say, well, what's the big difference between these two groups? And you can apply hundreds of variables at the same time and see what's going on. Thank you for that, David Foley. Oh, I forgot to put on my hat. David Foley and David Baer conspired to build me a hat that says, join the digital resistance. Resist the digital and get some real marketing done. Okay? It ruins my hair. I can't wear it every day, but I'm going to put it on every day probably for a while. Okay. And so David gives us an excellent synopsis of why direct mail is more exclusive than digital and email. Digital costs are rising. Tactile, direct mail is tactile. You have 10 times more receptors in your brain for touch than you do for sight. You can feel the paper. You can smell the ink. That's more tied to your memory than any other sense is smell. You can examine them at your leisure. You can dominate the whole desk from B to B when you unfold the piece. So it covers up all of their clutter that they're thinking about having to get done today. And they can have engagement and it can have excitement and it can lead to action. And direct mail leads to action better than any other medium. And it's also a daily routine. People like it. But the biggest rise in engagement with mail came from people aged 18 to 34. We have a consistent open rate of 80 to 90%, so it's time to get mail into your budget. Have a great day. Like and share. Hit repost. My visits or views or whatever it is on LinkedIn are way up. Thank you very much, especially Mike and David and Vinny, for reposting regularly. Bye-bye.